Yeah, we appreciate the singing and playing. If you would turn to two openings this evening, 1 Corinthians 15th chapter, then we'll look right over at 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. For some weeks now, we've been on a series we're calling Thanksgiving Victory. Is there a connection? Well, there is. And if you only knew it, you can thank your way out of darkness into the light. You can thank your way, talking about thanking God, out of bondage into liberty. You can thank your way out of poverty into plenty. Or you can gripe your way out of abundance into lack. You can complain your way out of freedom into bondage. Did you know no matter what's going on, how good it is, you can find something to gripe about? Did you know that? There are people that are multi-billionaires. They got everything you could buy with money. And yet they gripe all day long. That's not exactly the way I wanted it. That's not this. You know, I didn't want that shade. I wanted that shade. Did you know there are people that sleep on a, a dirt floor that go all day and don't gripe? And every time you see them, they're smiling. Enjoying the sunshine. (laughs) Enjoying their friends. (laughs) Did you know it? I've seen both. I've seen both of these folks. I know what I'm talking about. You know it's true, don't you? No matter how bad your surroundings are, you can find something to thank God for. Can't you? You can find something to be thankful for. Well, you are alive. Right? right. You are. And if you're a child of God, you got a lot to be thankful for. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. They're working on your mansion right now. Healing belongs to you. Prosperity belongs to you. Righteousness, holiness, wisdom. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, you can just take verses and just thank God all day long. No matter how good it is, you can find something to complain about. No matter how bad it is, you can find something to thank God for. So it's not the situation that dictates this to us. It's our choice. And by what somebody's doing, if they're griping, it tells you they're looking at something. If they're giving thanks, they're looking at something else. Any of us can choose to look at the bad. Look at the problem. Look at the need. Any of us. Also, any of us can choose to look at the good. To look at the answer. Peter was doing the miraculous. Walking on the water. Looking to Jesus. The author and the finisher of his faith. Thinking about that word that he said. Come. And then he decided to look at something else. 
Y'all remember the story? He began to look at the waves and think about the wind that was blowing and and think about the laws of physics. (laughs) And how it's impossible to walk on the top of the water, especially with the wind blowing like this. You know, unbelief and fear doesn't even make sense. It's not even logical. It's not even reasonable. He is walking on the water. And what does the wind have to do with it? (laughs) But he quit looking at Jesus. He quit looking at that word and thinking about that word. He began to look at the problem and he began to go down. Does it affect you what you look at? Oh, to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And you can tell what you're looking at by what's coming out of your mouth. And thanksgiving to God reveals you got your eyes and you got your mind on the right one. What did the Bible say? 1 Corinthians 15 and 57. What did he say? But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we made note that this giveth is not past tense. It's not gave. It's present and future tense. Is he thanking God for something he hasn't experienced yet? That's faith, isn't it? Go to 2 Corinthians then. 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 says a similar thing. Now thanks be unto God which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Again, not past tense. He's talking about always means this time right now and what about next year? That time to, is he thanking God for things in the future that haven't happened yet? That'd have to be faith in now, wouldn't it? Substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. You hadn't seen it yet, but you're thanking God for it. It's one of the great evidences of faith. If I tell you I'm going to do something for you, let's say you believe in to pay off a debt, and I say, you know, the Lord's debt with me, I'm going to pay that off. And you say, well... Okay, let me know if you do. And you reserve your thanksgiving until and if you see the bank statement and can talk to the bankers and see the paperwork. How much faith did you have in me? None. You have no faith in me. Well, I'll thank you when it happens. Can you see that? Well, people are doing God that way, aren't they? They're reserving their thanksgiving until they see something or they feel some kind of confirmation. Listen, if the Lord tells you something, it's time to start shouting. Right then. Right there. I've had people do that with me. I've had people on the phone talking to them and told them, you know, the Lord told us to send you this. And they started shouting right there in my ear. Had to pull the uh, phone away. Lord told us to pay this off for you. Lord told us, man, there was such a holler. Ah! 
What does that mean? They've seen no money. They don't know if I can do it or not. But they must believe. They must believe we can. And they must believe we will. They just start going, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, if we can do that with each other, why couldn't we do it with God who cannot lie, who cannot fail? If he tells you by his stripes you're healed, it's time to start thanking God right now, no matter how you feel. If he tells you he will supply all your needs, it's time to start thanking God right now. Right, not when you see the money, right now. Right now. And the man or woman of faith will do that. And a wise man or woman will learn how to live that way. Did you know you can train yourself to respond in faith with everything? You can train yourself. Anything bad or challenging that happens triggers you. You go into faith, thanking God mode. <laughs> and it'll frustrate the devil. Because after a while he'll realize he is putting you into faith mode. <laughs> and he's like, no, that's not what I wanted to have. He wants you to cry and start looking at the problems and complaining about how bad it is and feeling sorry for yourself. But instead of that, you can train yourself to go into faith mode, praising God mode, thanking God. You see a problem, you see an issue, you just start saying, Lord, I ask you for wisdom and I thank you for giving it to me. I thank you for showing me what to do. I thank you for giving me grace. I thank you for giving me strength. I thank you that I'm more than a conqueror. I thank you that I can do all things through you. I thank you that you always cause me to triumph. And so we coming through this by the grace of God. And some way or another, you're going to get glory out of this. Oh, it'll make the devil mad. It'll frustrate him. He'll go, oh, no, cry. Feel sorry for yourself. Cuss. Complain. Like the world does. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're different. I said we're different. We think different. We believe different. We talk different. We respond and react differently. Like 180 degrees. Differently. They cry, we shout. They complain. We give thanks to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Lord gave one of the first songs when I started the ministry the Lord gave me was uh, Another Victory. was the title of it. Now you may not have heard this one or not. This goes back for me. When I see a battle, I see the victory. And it went on to talk about it's another chance to prove my weapons. When I see a battle, I see the victory. Glory to God. Do you see it? Amen. And I, one of the verses said, the devil must be blinded or else he'd finally see. Every time he comes against me, it's another victory. <laughs> the fact he's here is unfortunate, but that won't last too long. Till then I'll use his ugly schemes to prove my weapons on. 
When I see a battle, I see the victory. Glory to God. So we can react and respond always in faith and thanksgiving. And when we do, it opens up the door for God to give us the victory that we in faith in advance are thanking him for. Our faith, what we're thanking him for, will come to pass, will come to sight. Now go with me, if you would, over to Acts, the fourth chapter. Actually, go to 1 Corinthians 10, then I think we'll go to Acts 4. I think you'll get more out of it this way. 1 Corinthians 10. I was telling some of my minister friends a few months ago when we first started, I believe this is one of the most significant teachings the Lord has given me in ministry up to this point. I don't know if you see that or not or think so or not, but I'm telling you it is. Because it has to do with the grace of God. And grace is one of the biggest words in the Bible. One of the biggest words in the New Testament. And you just suffice it to say, uh, you and I are nothing, have nothing, can do nothing without the grace of God. But with His grace, we are... (laughs) overcomers and the righteousness of God and and with his grace we have everything we need every strength every help every ability and with his grace we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us and this is tied directly to being thankful now the Lord spoke this to my heart some years ago and I saw an inkling of it but nothing like what I'm beginning to see now this phrase he gave me I remember distinctly I was in the floor in a speaker's room, praying, getting ready for the service. And the Lord asked me a question. I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but he said to me, Keith, would you like to know how to increase your capacity to receive from me? I didn't have to pray about it. I didn't have to say, I'll get back with you. I said, yes, yes, and please, yes. Would I like to know how to increase my capacity? Now, there's a lot of revelation in that phrase, isn't there? Are we limited in what we can enjoy from him according to what we can receive? Is there a limiter there? Must be, Jesus kept telling person after person, according to your faith. That means there's a limiter there. And he's asking me, do you want to know how to increase your capacity? Enlarge and increase your capacity to receive from me. I said, yes, please, yes. And he said to me, again, not an audible voice inside me. He said, cultivate A lifestyle of thanksgiving. Every word's significant, of course. Cultivate means it's not going to happen automatically. Cultivate means you've got to get out there and dig, right? Plow. You know, make an effort to make it happen. Cultivate a what? Not just in service when somebody's preaching on thanksgiving. All the time. A lifestyle of thanksgiving. Now, I didn't see a fraction of what he was saying to me. But you know, we don't have to understand it. If we'll just do it, we'll get the results. Got to do it by faith and you'll just get the results. And so, is there a connection when you start thanking God, does it open up things for you? Does it begin to open up your insides and ability to receive? Does it open the door for him to begin? Maybe you don't know even what to do, but if you start thanking God for showing you what to do, maybe you're not even close to having faith for this situation, but God knows how to get you there. 
doesn't he? And if you'll just start thanking him for showing you and helping you, he'll take you by the hand. How many believe it? The Holy Spirit will start teaching you and talking to you. He'll bring people across your path. He'll add to you the knowledge you lack. He'll show you. He'll give you the strength you didn't have. And he can get you to where you can receive. He can get your insides, your mind, your heart open to where you can receive. But if you start griping and you start complaining about how nobody will help you. and You know, there's a lot of Christians that are miffed at God. Why won't you help me? I prayed and I fasted for two weeks. Why didn't you help me? Why won't you help me? That will cut you off from the grace of God. Because there's a lot of bad, ugly things in between the lines that people are not seeing. And there's this attitude of, you owe me. I'm entitled. And two words, my friends, that will cut you or me off from the grace of God. I deserve. And there's much more of this than you might think. I deserve. And the Lord said this phrase to me, along with this, this happened a couple of years later. He spoke to my heart. You cannot be gracious to someone who feels they deserve it. Can't be. If you did it for them and they felt you should have, are they going to be thankful? No. They felt like you're just doing what you should have done. So do they see it as you being gracious to them? No. They see it as you doing what you should have done. So now you've made it impossible for them to be gracious to you. If we take that attitude with God and we've made it impossible for him to be gracious to us, what does he do for mankind except by his grace? You put yourself in a bad place. And the indicator of this, I mean, the Lord knew I wasn't at a place where I could grasp all that those many years ago. So he just skips over all of it and says, Sonny boy, thank me all the time. <laughs> And if I got any smarts, I'll go, okay, <laughs> thank you, thank you. And he knows where we are, doesn't he? If somebody feels like you should do it, are they thanking you? No. So the absence of it shows they don't believe it's by grace. In uh, uh, 1 Corinthians, you see this statement, the 10th chapter and verse 30. Y'all believing with me this evening? Even if I'm not your favorite preacher, thank God you got a preacher tonight. (laughs) And if you say, well, is that the best we can do around here? Well, what do you think you deserve? (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Why would you deserve the best preachers there are? What would qualify you for that? (laughs) What I'm trying to say is, People have this ugly attitude of entitlement and don't even realize it. They don't even realize and see that that's what they're doing. Every one of us, without saying it, without meaning to, have felt like and acted like we deserved something. That there was no reason why we should feel that way. But we just did. You have to watch about this just because something has happened for you over and over again. And you're used to it. You get to thinking, well... That's supposed to be. Why is it supposed to be? 
Why is it supposed to happen for you all the time? And so you got families that maltreat each other. This person has done this for this person for 20 years. And instead of being thankful, they cuss if it's not done. Instead of being thankful. And you know, it's sad. I've seen, I've had grown men cry and just melt in front of me because they had just lost their spouse, their wife. She'd gone home to be with the Lord. And they hadn't treated her right. They're one of these guys, if dinner ain't on the table at 5 p.m. sharp, there's hell to pay. I'm quoting them. And this woman had been nice to them and cleaned their dirty clothes and ironed their shirts, did this and did that and did that. And they were completely unthankful for 40 years. It's just supposed to be that way. Why is it supposed to be that way? What verse says she owes you that? And why are you so amazing that she owes you this? I've seen women crying. Their husband's gone home to be with the Lord. And he was faithful provider, hard worker, Nice God did everything for them. I mean, pumped their gas for them and took out the trash for 50 years and never complained and happy to do it. And all they did was yell and scream if they didn't do it and felt like you owe me bringing this check in. You owe me that. Why do they owe you that? Why? Why do they owe you one more week? Are y'all with me? But do you see how people, they get into this law without saying it, without even acknowledging that they're doing it. And here's how you know you're doing it. When you get upset when something's not done. And that's the only time you ever say anything. You never say anything about the 900 times it was done. You only pitch a fit the one time it wasn't done. You've made it impossible for them to be gracious to you. You think they owe it to you. And you are sadly mistaken. And I've seen men and women crying and weeping going, I didn't appreciate her. I didn't tell her enough. I didn't appreciate him. Now he's gone and they're taking out their own trash and having to come up with their own money and having to do other. Oh man, what a good man I had. What? What a good woman I had, and I was too stupid to realize it. All I did was raise Cain and demand and fuss. Friend, make yourself stop and go, this person that's in my life, this person that's in my life, this person. What if they were not there tomorrow morning? And they were never in my life again, this side of glory. How would it affect me? How would it impact me? And if you're wise, you'll wake up and you'll treat them differently. Because when that phase happens, and uh, none of us are going to stay together forever down here. Not a one of us. Not one couple, not one family. None of us. We only got just a little short time with each other. Hmm? And it's God's grace we even got each other. No, I don't think you heard me. 
people who know you and still like you? I mean, they've been with you for 10 years, 30 years, and seen all the junk that you have pulled and done, and they still love you? Somebody say, grace, grace, grace. What should that cause you and me to do all the time? Oh, 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 God, thank you, thank you, thanksgiving this way and thanksgiving this way. Well, it's their job. Said who? What verses are you quoting? Truth is, you don't deserve them. I'm going to go up here and say a little louder. The truth is, you don't deserve them. You don't deserve that woman. You don't deserve that man. You don't deserve those friends. You don't deserve that church. But God's being gracious to you. If you and I have enough sense to know it, something should be coming out of our mouth on a regular basis. Anybody know what it is? Tell me what it is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, you're so gracious to me. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. You're so good to me. You give me such good friends. Give me such good family. You give me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's another thing, friend. Whatever you're not thankful for, you're in danger of losing. Did you know that? But here's the thing we're going to get in tonight by the grace of the Lord I'm believing for. Whatever you are thankful for, what did the Lord tell me? If I'm cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving, what question was that the answer to? How to increase. Oh, come on, can you see this? What you're unthankful for, you're in danger of losing. What you're thankful for, you're in danger of receiving more. (laughs) If I could say it like that. Come on, can you see this? Oh, glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10, 30. He said, If I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I what? Is there a connection between partaking of grace and giving of thanks? Yes, there is. Now go to 2 Corinthians. Well... Go to Acts first, where you're holding your place. Let's do them in order. Sit out loud, partaker of grace, giving of thanks. In Acts 4 and 32, this came off the heels of the house-shaking service. Everybody remember that one? Not the people shook and fell down, the building shook. And God's the one who shook it. God shakes buildings? Mm hmm. And more. Coming out of that, verse 32, Acts 4:32, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. They got together, didn't they? Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. They weren't enamored with stuff. Were they? They're like, ah, you use it. I got plenty. You go ahead and take that. 
You need some? Take one of mine. This was happening through scores of thousands of people throughout these churches. These churches were big. I'm amused sometimes at people that I've heard people try to say that they thought this church was too big for them to come to. They wanted a New Testament church. (laughs) They wanted a church about 40 or 50, not over 100. What they're looking for is somebody they can run. They're looking for somebody that will wait on them hand and foot and expect nothing out of them. (laughs) Something they can take over. (laughs) We're having fun now, aren't we? We are, at best, a medium-sized church. We're not a big church. We see thousands on a weekend, but a big church is like 50,000. Did you hear me? And that's what they had. Have you read the scriptures in here? I mean, they had 3,000 people get saved on a day. Remember that? And then a little bit later on, another couple of thousand get saved. Well, that's 5,000 right there. And then the Bible says, the Lord was adding to the church daily. So there's no way that they weren't 20, 30, 50, 100,000. I don't know. That's a New Testament church. That's the book of Acts. Now, God meets everybody. I don't care if you're three people or 300,000. If you're doing what you know to do and you're in the will of God, hallelujah. Good. But don't be spouting off unscriptural things and, and watch what you're looking for. If we were really submitted to the Lord, we'd go where he told us to. And we'd stay where he told us to. And we'd do what he told us to. Instead of jumping here and yawning and trying everything and trying to find somebody to tell us we're right all the time. And wait on his hand and foot. Hmm? We'd want to serve the Lord. We'd want to do something to advance His kingdom and help each other. You'd want to work. Help somebody that really is a baby. But they had all things common. And uh, verse 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. Among all those thousands of people, you couldn't find one person in lack. That's a New Testament church. Glory to God. Out of all those thousands, you couldn't, I mean, out of, I don't know, what was it, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000? I don't know. You could have gone through every one of them and said, are you in lack? Are you behind? They said, no. You in lack? Nope, not me. You in lack? Not a one. No, all my needs are met. All my needs are met. You'd have heard that 50,000 times. All my needs are met. All my needs are met. All my needs are met. Not a one of us is in lack. Now, how is the church so oblivious of this? Because of hundreds of years of unscriptural traditional teaching instead of the Bible. But... I want you to notice this phrase in verse 33. With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Say it again. Great grace was upon them all. Say it again. Great grace was upon them all. One more time. Great grace was upon them all. Great grace. Great grace. 
there's grace, and then there's more grace, and then there's great grace. Great is the Greek word megas. We get our word mega from. And uh, without going through all the definitions, basically it means big. B-I-G. Capital B, capital I, capital G. Big. Somebody say big. Big Big what? Big grace was on all of them. Well, not one of them's in lack. I mean, get the picture. People are getting saved right and left. Powerful ministries coming forth. People are getting healed. People are getting delivered. Everybody's got a good place to live. Everybody's got good clothes to wear. Everybody's eating good. Everybody's getting healed. Everybody's full of the Holy Ghost. I mean, the power's so strong, the house shakes sometimes. Somebody say, big grace, big, big grace. Are you hungry for some big grace? Oh, I'm hungry for some big grace. Big grace. When things are going well, it's grace. Phyllis I said, you know, we talked a little bit about this this past week. and Everything we did this week was just graced. I mean, the planning was perfect. The trip was perfect. The weather was perfect. The rapport was perfect. Everything, boom, boom, boom. Boom. All week long. I'm talking no problems. You know what that is? Come on, help me out. Grace. We've done the same thing at other times, and it was hard. And it was challenging. And it was problems. Now, you don't quit. You believe God. You go through. But, hey, I like this. I like this. Now, you know, most of the church world has more faith for opposition than they do grace. You know that? Most people are believing that if you really go all out and obey God, all hell's going to break loose. Man, you think you had trouble. You just go into the ministry. You think you had trouble. You just launch out to do a project for God. You think you've had trouble. Am I telling the truth? Do people believe that? More people believe this than what I'm trying to talk about tonight. But we're not supposed to believe that. Let me quote a scripture to you. When a man's ways please the Lord, he lets all the devils attack him. Because he's really full out serving God. He's going all the way. So God's going to let half of hell come against him. And wear him down night and day. Then why do people believe that? And expect it. People expect it. I'm not talking about just the person that got saved yesterday. I'm talking about pastor after pastor after pastor that I've been to their churches, that I've spoken for them. And they talk about all the trouble they had when they started to do what God told them to do. And they're like, well, you know, you go to do what God tells you to do. And 
Man, look out. You're going to have trouble. Man, I mean, God attacked me, attacked my wife, he attacked my kids, he attacked my dog, my tomato plants died, my <laughs> transmission fell out. You know, man, all we're trying to do is build an addition on the church. People believe, our people believe this. It's unscriptural. Let me try quoting that verse again. When a man's ways please the Lord. Tell me what the Lord does. He makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. What is that? That's big grace. I said that's big grace. We're talking tonight about qualifying for big grace. And it's tied with what we've been working on for weeks building up to this. Go to 2 Corinthians, like we mentioned a moment ago. Now look at this, please. 2 Corinthians, 4th chapter. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8. These next four verses, particularly uh, the first two here, describe the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith is unconquerable. Unconquerable. Can't be defeated. Can't be conquered. And it depends on what you choose to look at. Looking at the wrong thing, you go down. Looking at the right thing, You do the impossible. The supernatural. Verse 8. Paul says. We're troubled on every side. Yet. Not distressed. Now where is he putting the emphasis? Where he's ending up. He's not emphasizing the trouble. It's there. He had to deal with some stuff. But is he looking at that? And complaining about the trouble? No. What's he emphasizing? We weren't distressed through the whole deal. Was Paul a man of faith? Did he have faith in him? Did he walk by faith? Did he live by faith? Trouble, brother. We had trouble on every side. Not just one trouble. We had north trouble. We had south trouble. We had uh, southwest trouble and northeast trouble. On every side. He said, but let me tell you what, God sustained us and we didn't even get distressed. Uh Uh-uh. No, we had peace through the whole thing. We just thanked God and sailed through it. Oh, come on, can you see this? Say, no distress, no distress. Can you have trouble all around you and not stress out? Can you? Yeah, you can. Depends on what you're looking at. Whether you're thanking God or whether you're complaining. We are perplexed. What does perplexed mean? Perplexed means you don't know. Perplexed is like the cartoon character with a big question mark over your head. You're going, huh? What just happened? What was that? You don't know and there's a lot we don't know. But just because you're perplexed doesn't mean you have to be depressed. We're perplexed, but what? But what? Didn't get down. Not in despair. He said, man, we got in some situations, and I'm telling you, we couldn't tell which end was up. We didn't know what was going on for a while there. But, but where's the emphasis? Where's he wind up at? But, 
We never got down. Never got down. I'm telling you, we kept our joy. We stayed up. We shouted. We thanked God night and day. We didn't let it get us down. This is the spirit of faith. Persecuted. Oh, yeah. But God was with us. He never forsook us. Cast down, but not destroy. One translation says knocked down, but not knocked out. I want you to see a picture. Here's a guy. They got him tangled up in the ropes. There's a guy three times bigger than him beating him in the face. He's down, but he looks up and he grins through the blood and says, I'm winning. I'm winning. That's the spirit of faith. And God will move the heavens for a man like that. God will split the sea for a woman like that. Come on, are you listening? (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for a win. For a victory. Oh, come on, can you see this? Now look on down to verse 15. For all things are for your sakes. That the abundant grace, somebody say abundant grace. Abundant grace. Might through what? Through what? Through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, for though our outward man perish, the inward man's renewed Day by day, verse 18, we look not at the things that are seen. What are we looking at? At the things that are not seen. Things that are seen are temporal. They're changing and subject to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. He keeps on going. The seventh verse of the next chapter says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. But notice that 15th verse. Put up the uh, Amplified. All these things are taking place for your sake. Why? So that the more grace extends to more and more people and multiplies through the many, the more thanksgiving may increase and redound to the glory of God. Somebody say more grace. More thanksgiving. More thanksgiving. More grace. More grace. More thanksgiving. And more thanksgiving. And more grace. Is there a cycle here? Is there something going on? Listen to the uh, complete Jewish Bible. It says all this is for your sakes. So that as grace flows out to more and more people. It may cause thanksgiving to overflow and bring glory to God. Hallelujah. Now go to the ninth chapter while you're close by. Ninth chapter. You see it again. He said in verse 8 we read earlier, God is able to make all grace, all what? Grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Verse 11. Being enriched. Enriched in everything to all bountifulness. Now he started talking about grace in verse 8, didn't he? Does this sound like enlargement and enrichment? 
to all what? Bountifulness. And what does that cause? Through us, thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, for the administration of this service not only supplies the one of the saints, but it's abundant also by many thanksgivings to God and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Grace and thanks and thanks and grace. Who does God give his grace to? The humble. And one of the prime indicators of humility is thankfulness. You show me a truly humble individual, every time I'll show you a thankful individual. As we grow and develop in humility, evidenced by thanksgiving, we qualify for more grace. At the point where we stop being thankful reveals we're no longer being humble. Reveals we no longer qualify for any further grace. When you're no longer thankful, anything the Lord would do for you at this point, you wouldn't even thank Him for it. So you don't qualify. One of the first things the Lord ever spoke to me about was Numbers 12.3. Go over there. As a teenager, early teens... I had read pieces of the Bible here and there, but I made up my mind, I'm going to read the Bible. And I started in Genesis, and I got over here to Numbers, the 12th chapter. And the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but I'm standing before you right now, and I can remember back there many years ago, it's one of the very first distinctive times I knew the Lord spoke to me. And I read this verse, verse 3, if y'all put it up on the screen for us, Numbers 12, 3. I was just reading the account of the story of how God dealt with his people and how he raised Moses up and he used him to lead them, you know, out of bondage into the promised land. I'm just keeping up with the story and I'm reading through. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which are on the face of the earth. And, you know, they had spoken ill of him about who he married and, you know, uh, was God using him, and why did he think he was so important? And the Bible lets you know that Moses was not just a meek man. He was very meek. He was the meekest man on the planet. True or not? Above all men that were on the face of the earth. Now, I don't know what movies you've seen. But when you think of Moses, do you think meek? Hmm, Most people don't. They think fire breather, tablet holder, holier than you, judger. What does the Bible say? He was very meek. Meek means Same kind of things. Humble means it means gentle. He tells us this in the situation of them talking about who he had just married, his wife. They were finding fault with his choice of a wife. And instead of him going ballistic, what does the Bible tell us? He was very meek. 
And something caught my attention about just a young, young teenage boy. And I'm sitting there looking at that. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but he said, Keith. One of the first times I remember him ministering to me like that. He said, did you notice Moses was the meekest man in his generation? I thought I did. That's what I was just looking at. Yeah. He said, did you realize he was also the most used man of me in his generation?" I thought I hadn't seen that. I didn't know that. Go with me to Matthew. Matthew 11. 29. You can put it up on the screen for us. 11, 29. What did Jesus say? It's on the screen. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus said. And learn of me. When you think of Jesus... Does this stand out to you as one of the biggest words to describe his character and who he is and what he is and the way he is? Learn of me, Jesus said, for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. Do you believe Jesus was the most used man in his generation as he walked the earth? I don't think there's any question about that. How about most used man ever? What about Paul? Was he used a lot of God in his generation? You remember he said we labored more than them all. Yet, not me, but the grace of God. He's not trying to be humble. He is humble. Humility is not what a lot of people think it is. There's not even a strong desire among millions of believers to even find out about humility. So they're sure not developing in it. But boy, the Lord led something in me way back there as a teenager. And I thought, I've got to learn about this. So I prayed right there. I said, Lord, show me. Show me what pride is. Show me what humility and meekness is. I want to know because I see. And I wrote it down later. The degree of my humility determines the limitations of my usefulness to God. It is one of the biggest limiting factors that exists. Is it true that Moses, nor Paul, nor Jesus himself, were able to do anything of themselves or by themselves, but it was by the grace of God? Is it true? But who got more grace than other folks in their generation? He gives his grace to the humble. Now what about the rest of the verse? What does he do with the proud? What does he do with the proud? Didn't you say he leaves them alone? What did he say? Friend, pride is an abomination to God. It's the nature of the devil. I know some folk have wondered why I don't like to use the word proud. That we need to get it out of our vocabulary pertaining to I'm proud of my son. I'm proud of my daughter. I'm proud of my wife. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of our accomplishments. Well, you don't need to be. You need to be thankful. And it's not splitting words. It's a huge difference in how you think and how you believe. And even another thing. If you're going to be able to accomplish anything beyond where you are. 
Friend, if we could grow and become more meek, we could get more grace. If we could get more grace, we could receive more. We could be more. We could know more. We could do more. The devil's lied to people. He's lied to people that either you don't really want to find out about this or you can't do it. You know, nobody's really going to grow much in this area. Let's just love Jesus till we get to heaven. And No, friends. It's easy. All we got to do is keep thanking God. And we'll be practicing humility. And we'll be practicing faith. And we'll be expanding our insides. But every one of us has been bumping against this pride limiter. Every one of us. So the Lord can only do so much for a person. And you know when it stops? When they reach the cap? When they stop thanking Him. Because what does that indicate? The humility has stopped. If you're already haughty about what you got and what just happened, what are you going to do if the Lord gave you more? (laughs) So can you understand? He can't do it. He can't add it to you. He's not going to help you be more like the devil. Go to Ezekiel, 28th chapter. Let's talk about the devil a little bit. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Ezekiel 28, did you find it? In verse 11, it says, The word of the Lord came and said, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. And say, you seal up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You've been in Eden, the garden of God. Well now, who is that? You've been in Eden? We don't know how many folks have been in Eden, the garden of God. Adam was there. Eve was there. The Lord was there. The serpent was there. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, the gold must have been beautiful beyond description. The workmanship of your tablets and of your pipes were prepared in you in the day that you were created, not born, created. Some musical ability. Instruments, maybe built right in, I don't know. You are the anointed cherub that covers, I have set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You've walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways. Well, that's the only way God creates things. And the day you were created, till until iniquity was found in you. Verse 17, look at this. Your heart was what? Lifted up because of your beauty. Because of what? Your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. I'll cast you to the ground. I'll lay you before kings. The proverb says that 
Humility will cause a person to be exalted. What will pride cause? Pride goes before a a fall. And you see it no clearer than with Satan and with Jesus. Pride caused apparently the most beautiful, the anointed, the most wise, the most splendid, amazing cherub to fall from the place of glory to the depths of hell. Jesus humbled himself. He became like other men. And humility brought the Son of Man from the heart of the earth. Isn't that right? Up, raised from the dead, and glorified, and set down in the highest place in all of glory, the right hand of majesty on high. All by the grace of God. Jesus said so himself. Well, this is true with you and I. We get to thinking about what we've got, what we've done. Begin taking credit. You're capped. You just capped yourself. You just limited yourself. And you can tell it when something good happens and you don't do something. Anybody with me? Something good happens for you for the ninth time. And you don't do what? You don't thank God. Why did you fail to thank God? Something's changing in you. How many know that Satan, his own pride blinded him and deceived him? He forgot who he was talking to, didn't he? He begins to think about how beautiful he is, and he was. How wise and amazing he was. And he was. But why would you forget that you were made by this one? You couldn't exist another millisecond unless he allows it. Or sustains you. But he did. His pride blinded him. And he starts saying, I, I'm going to exalt my throne. I'm going to be like the Most High. I'm going to do the... Is he thankful? There's no thankfulness at all. He thinks he deserves this some way or another. He thinks he can throw off God's rule. Do it whether God wants him to or not. And God spoke and said, you'll be brought down. How many know when your words hits his? There's not going to be nothing left of your words. Oh, friend. Humility is not this stuffy, silly, despicable stuff so many talk about. They try to act humble and it's sickeningly sweet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's not real. It's not humility. Humility is when you've got a glimpse of the Holy One. I've been around a few people that have had some knowledge of God and I've gotten a little bit myself and you watch it everybody that really knows him or something about him they talk about him different their attitude's different nobody's seen the face of the father I don't mean that but when you've seen something of him it changes you 
You can tell a lot of people don't know him by the way they talk. They're too brass. They're too forward. You know they don't know him. Phyllis and I are amused. We had the privilege of working with Brother Kenneth Hagin for a number of years. and We just look at each other from time to time. We hear people saying, Brother Hagin said this, and Brother Hagin said that, and Brother Hagin did this, and Brother Hagin did that. We just look at each other and go, boy, in 20-some years, we never heard that. We never saw that. And you just don't believe it because we know him. People are saying all kind of things about God. And they're saying all kind of things. God told me this and God showed me that. And, and if you do see him and know him, you go, oh. None of us know that much about him. But if you do know something about him, you know it doesn't ring true. It doesn't sound right. And when you have seen him, you want to join the winged creatures. And you want to fall on your face and go, Holy. Holy, holy, you don't sashay around and order God and run your mouth. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know him. You haven't seen him. You ever looked in the night sky? You ever looked up at the majesty of the mountains? You ever looked across the vast stretch of the Pacific? You ever got close to a whale? You can't help but be startled by how big it is. And how little you are. You're sure he could blow you into the next county and not even know that he did. And, <laughs> and the one who made him is so much more vast and so much more powerful. He, he's wondrous beyond description. He's wise beyond understanding. And when you begin to live in that reality... Every time something good happens for you, you know, you know, you know, you know. You don't go, man, I'm amazing. I had an amazing idea. Boy, did you see how I did that? Whoa, I'm good, man. If you think so, you're ignorant. You're ignorant. Your next breath depends on him. If it came together, grace. If it worked out, grace. If it went smooth, grace. If it was good, grace. And if you know it, tell me what you're saying. What are you saying? Night and day you're saying, oh, thank you, Lord. Man, that went good. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord, for helping me. Man, that's the best I've ever done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The moment, even if you don't say it, the moment you go, in your mind, you're going, I'm getting good at this. That's it. You're capped. You don't qualify for any more grace. That's it. And you won't stay there. You'll start going the other way. Anyway, few things more pitiful than somebody that thinks they're amazing and is pitiful. You see it all the time. I've had people come want to argue scriptures with me. I don't mean once or twice or three or four times. And it's pitiful how ignorant they are of the Bible. They come and they, I guess they think everybody's as ignorant as they are. And you do. People think that God's not real to anybody. 
So they can say and do anything they want to about God and they'll just drink it up and say, well, because nobody really knows. No. Some people know. He's real. I said he's real. He's knowable. None of us know a fraction of what there is to know about him, but some people know something about him. Enough to know what's him and what's not. Go to the book of Psalms, please. Psalms 147. And while you're going there, I want to tell you some benefits of being meek. You want to hear them? I don't really sense the enthusiasm about wanting to learn how to be meek and humble, but I'm telling you, few things in life are more important. And how can you keep it operative all the time? So simple. Just thank God. Thank God. Every time something good happens, thank, open your mouth. Thank God. Acknowledge. Acknowledge the help. If somebody says, man, you're smart. Don't sit there and take that. What do you say? <laughs> what do you say? You say, oh, man, I got some help. I got major help. The spirit of wisdom is in me. And he's in you too if you're a believer. If you're not, he can be. No, thank him. Thank him. The Bible says in Psalm 25, the meek will he guide in judgment. The meek will he teach his way. You want to be taught? You want to be guided? Psalm 37 says the meek will inherit the earth. And they'll delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The meek have peace. Abundance. Of peace. What a proud have. The way of the transgressor is hard. Isn't it? They get a hard time. They get a hard way. Psalm 149 says. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. He'll beautify the meek with salvation. Isaiah 29.19 says. The meek also increase their joy in the Lord. Did you hear that? More meek means what? More guidance, more teaching, more peace, more beauty, more joy. Are you liking the sound of this already? Let me listen, friend. The most humble is the most graced. That means the most anointing, the most wisdom, the most opportunity, the most favor. The most accomplishment, the most fruitfulness, the most peace, the most joy, the most satisfaction, the most reward. Are you interested in learning how to be meek and humble? Jesus said, come learn about me. He said, I'm meek. Learn about me. Be like me. I'm meek. Did you find Psalm 147? Say, God is very great. Very great. He's awesome. He's amazing. He's wonderful. Hallelujah. Psalm 147 and 4. Says what? He tells the number of the stars. (laughs) Some of y'all might have seen on the Science Channel. You know, they're repairing the. Hubble telescope and uh, they had previously pointed it at a part of the sky they always thought was just completely dark 
They couldn't find anything out there. And they left it pointed that way for a while. And the picture, you should have seen it. Billions of stars that they could see. God's got them all named. These are just the ones we can see. He's so big. He's so vast. And yet, he knows your name. (laughs) And he loves you. And he'll help you. If you're 14, he'll help you on your math test. If you're 40, he'll help you in your job at your sales or If your mother at home and you lost an earring, he'll help you find your earring. How can he be so big and yet he can be involved in that? It's because he's so big. He has so much ability. And I want you to know, don't you listen to these deceived, confused people that try to take God out of everything. And nothing could make another revolution If it wasn't for him. All things are upheld. By the word of his power. Every breath you take. Every flap of a bird's wing. Every movement of a fish's tail. Are you listening? The shining of the sun. All the billions and billions of stars. And it it boggles the mind. You can't begin to put your mind around. What's out there. And what's going on. And the amazing thing is you and I, we're not giraffes or elephants and we're not fish. We're not even angels. We're made in the image of God. We are His children, His own. He calls us sons and daughters. He's our Father. He's made plans for us to be His family throughout eternity. This is the very, 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 very beginning of what we're going to be into. And we wouldn't exist, and we wouldn't know any of it, and we wouldn't be capable or qualified to receive any of it if it weren't for His grace. Do you understand it? So we, of all beings in the universe, are to be the most thankful and the most... Right? To whom has received and been given so much ought to be the most thankful. Go ahead and stand up right now. Lift up your hands and say, thank you, Lord. Just begin to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say it again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. That passage we begin to read says, He tells the, put it up on the screen for us, uh, 147.4. He tells the number of the stars. He calls them all by their names. Great is our Lord, said out loud. Great, great is our Lord. And of great power, His understanding What he understands is infinite. There is no end. No measuring what he understands. The Lord does what? Verse 6. One of these days, you know, 
To even believe on him to get saved requires a certain amount of humility. Do you understand that? Doesn't it? If you're proud enough, you'll never bow your knee and acknowledge you need a Savior. Much less believe on him and put your fate in his hands. So if you're born again, you've already displayed some meekness. And the meek, he does what? He, he lifts up. He casts the wicked down to the ground. How many know one of these days, the meek that have believed on him, he's going to lift you up physically? You're coming up. You're coming out of here. You're going to rock it, rock it through the sky. I've tried four or five hundred miles an hour, and I like that real good. I definitely want to try the speed of light. Ah! Mmm! And as you and I rip across the sky, what should be coming out of all our mouths? Ah! Ah! Oh, thank you, Jesus. 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 And as we approach, see that city and that place he's built for us and the splendor of it. What do you think we'll say? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And you realize, I can never, ever, ever be sick again. I can never be weak again. I can never, ever have a headache again. I can never, ever, I can't grow old again. Never. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Verse 7 says what? In light of all this. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God. You know that piano is a great big harp. And that's what it is with a case around it. Stringed instruments, cymbals, keys. How many think everything in this place ought to be saying, thank you, Lord? The lights ought to be saying, thank you, Lord. Carpet to flowers ought to be saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It was so compelling and pulling in the Spirit when Jesus came in that triumphal entry. And they begin to cry out and say, Hosanna, 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 and praise the Lord. And the religious leaders came and said, shut up, shut up. Would you tell him to shut up? He said, if I told him to be quiet, the rocks would start crying out. Because I'm going to know the creation ought to praise its creator. Well, if you acknowledge that you are the creation of God, put both hands up and begin to lift your voice. And say, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. 
Oh, thank you for making me. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be your child. Thank you. Thank you for knowing me before I was born. Thank you for including me in your plan. Thank you for sustaining me. Thank you for keeping me. Thank you for mercy. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Lord, everything you ever done for us, thank you. Every ability you ever gave us, thank you. Every job you ever helped us do, thank you. Every friend you ever gave us, thank you. Thank you for our family. Thank you for our church. Thank you for every minister you've ever given us. Every sermon you ever gave us. Every word, every revelation. Thank you for every prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I thank you. Oh, I thank you. Oh, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Oh, oh, thank you. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I thank you, 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 I thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for light. Thank you for truth. Thank you for answers. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for all you do. Thank you, 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 thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.